You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of August 8th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my friend and partner, Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? I'm doing very well. How about you? <laughs> I don't know. Well, not as well as you are. What, what happened? <laughs> Something good happened? <laughs> um, we haven't gotten a very well for me in a while. No. Um, kind of like really stressful day, but... T- talking with co-workers today about a lot of work stress and and I sort of realized, you know, there's no reason, regardless of the stress, there's no reason, no matter how much you want to be furious and angry and vengeful. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah, reason. I know those three dudes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I got their masks. I wear them at Halloween. And... Uh, <laughs> There's no reason to be because when you can be, you know, you can be positive to people around you and and not, you know, take your, let your frustration show and and be a, you know, just be a drag. So I'm I'm very good. Yeah. Well, good. I always say it takes a little bit of effort to be mean and nasty. It's very Ah. easy to be nice. I'm too lazy um, to be mean and nasty. That's the answer. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Always wondered always about that. <laughs> well, it's the truth. It's the truth. You have to actually put in some effort to go out of your way to be mean and nasty to people, but it, ah. it takes very little effort to be nice. So let's be nice. Anyway, on this week's show, we've got no interview. We've got people backing out of interviews here. but uh, <laughs> So we're going to talk about uh, the league races. We've got the top performers of July. We've got Rock and Rokey. Uh, that segment, and we'll have to handle as much heat as we possibly can get to. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right. So if you will indulge us, allow us to make a show opening comment on the passing of a baseball legend in Vin Scully this past week. And I'll tell my story. I moved to California in 1970, just in time for the new school year. So when we put the rabbit ears on our TV <laughs> in uh, Rialto, California, in those days, uh, between the snow and the fuzzy screen, we could we could see this tall-haired redhead with this skinny, gray-looking mic, and he'd roll off the names of the starting lineups, and he would call games and interview players after the games and do post-game radio shows, I think. Uh, I was a little kid, so I don't remember that much, but... Uh, I know he did post-game on TV. He did commercials about Farmer John and Dodger Dogs, and he'd say, hello, friends, and uh, it all transcended race, political ideology, religion, social status, anything you could think of. I mean, it was just it was just sports for everyone, and it was like this person, this man on TV, Vince Scully, was talking to you, and like I said, he would say, hello, friends, and, and he meant it, and he said, wherever you may be, and he didn't know where you were, but he knew you were in earshot of either radio or TV and that you were, had a love for the Dodgers, and uh, he just assumed that, and he was so pleasant and so nice and taught everyone about the, the sport, and I always say this about all the L.A. announcers because they did such a good job when I, I guess it was a golden era for me with Chick Hearn and Bob Miller with the L.A. Kings and 
Vince Scully. They they taught you about the game, but they didn't talk down to you and talking to you about the game and teaching it to you. They allowed the game develop to develop and then gave you some pointers along the way so that you could follow and you could know better about what you were either looking at or, or listening to. And I uh, remember they used to do simulcasts in those days. Sometimes mm-hmm. uh, the radio TV would be uh, the same broadcast in that uh, if you're watching a TV broadcast, you have the images there in front of you. You don't really need a lot of explanation. But if you're on radio, so they do these simulcasts in which, you know, Vin could handle the radio and the TV and still not tell too much detail to the TV audience and keep the radio audience captivated. So anyway, I just grew up with this voice. And uh, I'll tell you the the story that I took a job in the, at the Ontario paper in 1990 was my first full-time job. And I was a backup baseball writer there and got sent out to cover the Dodgers in my first Dodger game that I went to cover. Uh, the Dodgers really did a lot of things first class. And one of the things they did was feed you. So you'd get a ticket, you'd get a, first of all, the, the, the baseball pass was this pass that was in this plastic seal with a little chain around that you throw it around your neck, but it didn't have a picture. It's not like nowadays where you have a picture and the name, it was just, you know, whatever newspaper. And so we'd pass it around, you know, if, if I was going to go out and cover the Dodgers, I had to go to the beat writer, pick up the pass and then, and then go out there. But once you showed up at the ballpark, you just show your pass, you get a meal ticket. Well, before, you, know, you had to get to the games early anyway. If you go in early enough, you could see Vin Scully sitting down in the dining hall having his meal before the game. And I actually bumped into Joe Morgan the first time I was there and saw Vin Scully. And I was like, wow, I'm living a dream here, watching my favorite team, getting paid uh, to cover the Dodgers, and, and then I'm going to write a story. So it was it was great memories for that. But I did, on my first day, get this bump into or see Vince Scully in the dining hall and bump into Joe Morgan. But anyway, great stories. Uh, taught a lot of people a lot of things about baseball, and I'll certainly miss him. But anyway, just like the passing of the great Wayne Grosick, uh, I'm really saddened. And everyone says the gold standard, but I think with Vinny, it was the platinum standard for the diamond. And he, I'm thrilled that he touched my life and that he was able to get me. I was already heavily involved in baseball. I was the kid who used to go and watch Little League games of kids I, I had no involvement with. They weren't friends of mine. I'd just randomly go to a Little League park and watch games. <laughs> so uh, I had been doing that. I had been bitten by the baseball bug uh, a long time ago, but he certainly helped me understand it and certainly will miss him. Yeah, I, I didn't have that connection because, of course, we didn't have a, a Dodgers broadcast. Well, first of all, um, I became a baseball fan. I became like a really crazy baseball fan about 1970 as well. And I'd played baseball a little bit in Little League, and I'd been to a few games. But it was about that time that I was beginning to listen to them on the radio to the mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants. And it was sort of a it was sort of a slow thing, the the harder it was for me to play baseball because you know my peers practiced and got better and I didn't practice and didn't get better sort of saw me become more and more of a fan you know I I just got more and more into the stories um, from the the Giants great broadcasters and then I wasn't immune to other teams broadcasters because a lot of them had some kind of national exposure Mel Allen with the Yankees and 
Sure. And Vin Scully had some national, you know, everybody knew him. And then one night I found when there wasn't a Giants game on late at night, like after, you know, it'd be really late. I could pick up the Dodgers uh, affiliate in Las Vegas from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And I could listen to Vin Scully and I thought, wow, this is so cool. I just really enjoyed it. Not, not because it was better or, you know, to me it wasn't, you know, it, it's the Dodgers and I don't really care. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had a kind of music uh, to the way he delivered his, uh, delivered his work to us. Sure. That was just so pleasant and enjoyable. You know, it was it was like I could I could listen to the games and it wasn't like, you know, they're the Dodgers. It's like, oh, this is really this is like a different look at baseball. I really enjoyed that. And uh, somebody said that he had he had called, you know, he would do football games. A lot of baseball broadcasters would do football in the offseason and Somebody wrote the other day on Twitter that he was behind the mic at the 49ers, the Zefsco 49ers and Dallas Cowboys NFC Championship. The catch, man. He called that. Yeah. Yeah, See, I don't remember that. I was, of course, watching the game because nobody, nobody I knew, uh, well, a few people I knew could get to the stadium, but I, me and my coworker went to, went to a bar and watched and uh, just glorious stuff. I don't remember that. I just remember the game. So sorry, Vin. <laughs> no, I. Yeah. You know what? I, I was watching that game at home live and watched that moment, and I don't remember it was that it was him either. And that's. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. You're not really mm. supposed to remember the announcer. You're supposed to remember the principles in the in the play, and that's that just shows you that he was so good. And he was a. A lot of guys have the voice, but they don't have the knowledge. Some guys have the knowledge, they don't have the voice. Some guys have the understanding and the awareness and the use of the words and, you know, the silver tongue or the golden tongue in this case. And he just had it all. Mm. And I got nothing here. So thank you guys for listening every week. But <laughs> I got nothing. So <laughs> Maybe untrue. some knowledge. <laughs> so untrue. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the one thing, the one story that sticks. I mean, of course, we've all heard. If we haven't heard hundreds of Vin Scully stories, we're probably not listening. <laughs> yep, yep. And my favorite one was from the, I guess it was the seminal book about baseball broadcasters, and I can't recall the name of the title, but there was a story about how Vin Scully got his job with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And that was they were looking for somebody and one of the people in charge of the search was listening to a football game in a that was being played at Fenway Park in a blizzard correct and the broadcast booth was open to the elements and throughout the broadcast the the young announcer the announcer never you know he mentioned that it was cold on the field and the it was snowing uh but never mentioned how uncomfortable he was because all he had was a suit jacket to do right. to do the entire broadcast, and that when they found that out, they said, "That's our guy," you know, because we want somebody who's who it's not about him, which is why it would never be me. 
<laughs> yeah, it would, I, I would have said, hey, guys, you're on your own. Um, <laughs> it's too cold for me. I'm out. <laughs> anyway, we got to get to Japanese baseball, yep. but a, a very sad, sad day that was for me. I actually did mourn, and uh, I was working from home that day, and it was a tough day. But uh, let's move on to MPB and talk about the league races. So let's start with the Central League. I, I want to say the Tigers are competing well. We had this rash of this incredible rash of or cluster of coronavirus breakouts that happened, especially with the Yomiri Giants. And they somehow they got some cancellations. Now they put those games off and they're going to have to play them at some point later in the schedule. And I did see a schedule come out. Uh, one that says they're going to have to play nine days in a row and then have a day off and then 10 days in a row later on this season. So that's going to be tough. But, hey, it's baseball. Get get your butts out there and play. Uh, you had all this time off right now uh, during this past week to rest. So <laughs> you, yeah. you can save up the energy. But they've won sure. four in a row, and the they beat the Swallows uh, three games at, at Jingu and there's, the Swallows are starting to fall back. We haven't heard much about this magic number anymore uh, recently. And it disappeared. It doesn't exist anymore. It went from well, that, That's part of the problem. Yeah, when it yeah. gets erased off the board, that's a problem. But yeah. uh, I've just been looking at the, the Swallows, and I said before they were kind of in cruise control. Then they got hit with uh, COVID uh, clusters and breakouts and all that stuff. And then Murakami, our guy, Munetaka Murakami, was – he was the certain MVP of the Central League, was deactivated. No, he wasn't deactivated. He was sat down uh, for Saturday's game and then brought in for tonight's game. I, I don't know the circumstances. I just know that there was an issue with him, and um, they haven't been winning. And the thing is, when you get these big leads, it's still important to win, at least to play 500 ball, and they're not doing that. So they're falling back to the pack here. So what are you seeing? Well, uh, you mentioned the coronavirus, so they really haven't been very good since they got wiped out by by the coronavirus. Yeah, and I think a lot of the guys are just—I don't know—they look. People are saying, "Oh, they look tired," and and they have not been doing great. Uh, the pitching, particularly, has been pretty mediocre, uh, which I don't think surprises a lot of people. It's a surprise to me a little bit, but I think they, yeah, I think the heat is—you know—it's been oppressively hot. And, Correct, <laughs> and that's been. I think that's taken a toll, you know. And the Giants. Um, I was going to say I don't like to cast aspersions, but I in fact really do. <laughs> and I'm going to say this: that the Giants went from saying uh, a week ago they only had three infielders who were cleared to play, to uh-huh. two days later having nine veteran infielders on their starting roster. <laughs> so what what I'm saying is, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, I have to, I have to, you know, I, I tweeted this out, but you really nothing says Yomiuri Giants like the rules are not for us; they're for other people. Work in the system, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, we made the system. We can change the rules as we like, and if you don't like it, tough. And that was really, you know, the the. The, the executive committee said, you guys got to play. You just can't keep canceling games. And they said, oh, we don't have enough players. I mean, the, sw- the Swallows were down to three catchers. They, 
they called, you know, they had they had zero catchers left on their farm. They wiped out basically it was Murakami, um, three backup catchers, Jose Osuna, and a cast of extras. <laughs> and you know, they wiped out their bullpen and they got their butts kicked for about a week. Mm-hmm. And the Giants were I could see the Giants saying, no, that's not quite that's not our style. Our style, <laughs> our style is to take days off until we feel like we're actually competitive. And I, I think that was, uh, to, I'll be honest, I think it was all a bunch of hooey. Mm-hmm. And that, well, they're still missing players. You know, they're not, they're not fit. It was like, I mean, okay, so that's that. Uh, but, you know, you also have to give credit where credit is due. They came back. And they gave these rookie pitchers starts, and these guys were amazing. I mean, to more or less. I mean, Iori Yamasaki was he was okay. I mean, he he got really good results, and he he was pretty good. But Kenshin Hota, who has Hota, yeah yeah who has not been good since his opening day win or since his uh day his uh major league debut win on March uh, I think it was March thirty first or thirtieth. Was absolutely electric. I mean, he looked like he could have thrown a fastball past anybody, and his his pitches were moving. You know, he had great breaking stuff, and that fastball was hopping. You know, more power to and these these guys came out and they pitched really really well. So more power to them. I was glad to see the young guys do well. And then of course, uh, Gregory Ilkofi Polanco. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the, you know, I think the sh- the swallows are gonna swear off caffeine for a while. Yeah, they, they, got, they, got, they got a barrel of it this weekend. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah, two no, home run game on Friday. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, two home run game. You know, uh, three uh, catch that saved three runs. He came back and he had another home run the next day. Just, just, and oh, actually, he he drove in all three Giants runs on Saturday. I forgot so, about yeah. the catch, but yeah, because I thought when the ball off the bat, I thought, oh, that's in the gap, but it hung up. It did hang yeah. up. And he's got and those big, huge, long. You know, he's got he's he's got strides that would make you know Dumbo jealous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Dumbo, he, huh? Okay. Yeah, well, elephants have large strides, I suppose. Uh, Giraffe. All right, <laughs> Secretariat. Okay, there you Secretariat. go. Okay. The same bolt. So, I mean, somebody with some long legs, bro. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, but really, you know, he was, he was hustling and he was on it and he got to it. I thought, you know, um, well, well done. So, so, okay. The giants front office. No, no, no. The giants, uh, players. Yes, yes, yes. And well done. Yeah. I think obviously they have a deep system as well, but for them, we were talking about it at the office and we said, look, I said, you can't cancel all these. I was talking to the resident Giants fan there at the office, and I said, you can't mm-hmm. cancel all these games. And this is a team with a three-level system. So you have guys uh, on the third team. He said, he said yes, but to, to get those guys on the field, you have to actually sign them to a regular contract. So that's not going to happen. I said, okay, even if you don't have those guys, there's enough out there. When they said 70, 80, I'm like, okay, you can't you know, 70, 80 people within the organization. Now, how many were players? I, I never read the breakdown, but I just assumed a, a bunch, the majority of them. It was 47. 47 were players. Yeah, that's too many. And they had 69 players on the 
70-man roster. They had one spot mm-hmm. open. And they you know, and their excuse to not play Sunday was, look, we signed an infielder from our developmental <laughs> roster, so now we've got three. So we're just not, we're just, you know, it's not fair to make us play. It's not fair to the fans to make us play. <laughs> and when and you say Sunday... Out, yeah, well, that was actually Saturday, but they signed the kid, the, the developmental player, to their last roster spot. Uh, You're talking about the 31st of uh, July? or Yep. Yep. Okay. 31st of July. And they they were claiming poverty. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I was curious, I wanted to count how many guys on the Giants roster on this makeshift band-aid patched roster had ever played before. And the answer was everybody. Yeah, I was going to say most of them because I know because they brought yeah. them up and I'm like, oh, I know this guy and I know this yeah. guy and I know like, this where, guy and I know that guy. This, where is this? We don't have bodies to play. And they basically just reactivated the whole team and said, let's go. Yeah. Well, suffice to say that, you know, Domingo Santana looks sharp. He, he has come back. Osuna, Jose Osuna, he looks pretty sharp. Uh, I'm not sure about Murakami. We'll see what's wrong with him, but he's on path to be the MVP, so they're going to just get him out there as much as they can, even if he's got a little tweak somewhere, and and try to manage the injury while keeping his MVP oh. status intact. Oh, but I have I have to in- interject. Yes. Okay. The thing with Murakami was that he was suffering from fatigue. Yeah, I saw that, but that was being treated as a symptom of COVID. Right. Because I first I thought I heard the report that he had COVID and that they were going right. to deactivate him. Yeah, he was deactivated under the COVID rules out of concern that he might have COVID. Okay. And then they tested him. Uh, they tested him. That was Saturday, and then Saturday they tested him and it came back negative. And they said, "Okay, we're going to check on his, you know, how he feels Sunday. If he's fine, he's going to play." Well, he he didn't play fine, but he was fine. <laughs> okay. Well. A, a lot of times when I see these like these vague explanations, and you know Japanese can be really vague sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's when they're trying he, to be. That's when they're being explicit. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm thinking, okay, well, who's not tired in August right now, especially with the heat we've had? Give me a break with this. This is not, you know, I I, I they threw out some word that I had to look up, and I and I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, who's not? I mean, I, I like I love summer. I'm having fun running uh, when I can because injuries are, have slowed me down this year. But uh, I did have I did have 14k this morning, and it was nice and nice and steamy. But um, I I don't uh, you know fatigue. No, I'm not buying it. Uh, the dude's 20 or 22. 22. So yeah, okay. But if he's having fatigue now, you know, if I'm a major league team, I'm I'm kind of worried about this. So I don't think that's the case. I think I think he might have some little tweak somewhere that uh, they're trying to manage, Indeed. and 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 that's what that's what they're reporting. But that that's my personal opinion because uh, <laughs> again, the reports were different. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't think they're falling, but they have an eight and a half game lead at the moment. I don't think they're falling back that far. And the other thing is, these Central League teams have to play each other, climb all over each other, and try to climb up to the swallow. So I don't think that's going to happen either, but it was a really nice weekend for the giants to 
make it interesting for us, the fans or the observers, to watch the rest of August and September to see if a team can make a run. What about the Pacific League now? Uh, this thing is getting, well, I wanted to say it's getting wilder and wilder, but the Lions started to get some separation this past week, and they had their lead up to three games the last time I looked, and I, I, I don't want to say I'm shocked, but uh, I, I did expect a little bit. I didn't expect one team to kind of pull away and have separation at this point because they're all so close. Except even you know, I say this, and even in the in the Central League, the Dragons are a bad team, and they're they're still hard to beat. You know, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to have to face a fairly good pitcher, and you're going to have to keep them off base. They do get on base a lot. They don't hit for, for power. They don't hit a lot. But they do get on base somehow, and they put pressure on on you. So they're while they're a bad, they have a bad record. It's not an easy win, and so mm-hmm. same with the fighters. They the fighters have you know eighteen games under five hundred. But it's not like you can just roll anybody out there, and you're going to score a bunch of runs, and you're going to keep them off the board, and it's going to be a cruise. You know, it's going to be a cruise control game. You got to knock them off. So I I just didn't see any team getting. Uh, the steam going to get a three game lead all of a sudden, like the lions mm-hmm. and uh, you know, SoftBank is just, they're just sputtering as a team. The Hawks are the Eagles again, really good one game. Then they run and hide the next and then they have another good game. So they had a good series down there in Hukoka or I, I take that back. They, they salvaged uh, the last game of this series in Hukoka, but they had their troubles down there, but you know, they look really good on Sunday. Uh, the Oryx Buffaloes still right there. They're another team. They're all just seem to be inconsistent. So I don't even know this randomness that's happening right now. It looks like the Lions could run away with this thing if they if they put it together. Yeah, it's possible. It's it's basically, you know, nothing is nothing is really safe. I still see the fighters and I think, wow, you know, they they some they have good games. They have, you know, they have Two or three, you know, I would say they have two good games a week. And they have a couple of other games where they can win if things go their way. I guess And then they have that bad game. Yeah. And then they have yeah. They've they've got two good games a week. They've got probably got three that could go their way if they get a break, but probably won't. And then one game where they have to uh you know vent the atmosphere in the arena because people are (laughs) people are running for the exits. So Oryx has been kind of interesting. They've, you know, they've, they've played, they have, they're better. Obviously they're a better team. You know, they're more experienced team and Utara Sugimoto has been just been wonderful, but they're just not catching fire. It's almost like the, the pitching, their pitching sort of reminds me of Yakult's, you know, some days it'll just be really, really good. And you'll go, wow, you know, this is the team we know they're, they're capable of this. And then other times it'll be mediocre and the offense doesn't click, you know. Um, I don't quite know what to say about it, but again, inconsistent. Lote too. Uh, you know, I watch today and I think, wow, you know, great plays, bad plays. This is that seems to be the the Pacific League thing. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like watching well, to be honest, it's sort of like watching the Hanshin Tigers uh, in the you know in the beginning of the season. You know, it's like, oh, they they shouldn't be this bad. They look like they're a better team than they're playing. You know, 
they look like a better they're playing better than they their results are mm-hmm. and then they'll, and then one day they'll just sort of smack you upside the head and say no, no we're not we're really <laughs> we're really bad and it's quite confusing to confusing. see teams yeah that one day look good one day look bad i have no explanation for it and I wanted to look at the teams that had the best defense and go with that team and say that team is going to emerge. And even that is up for debate because there's so many lineups. The fighters have so many lineups and throw a bunch of guys out there. The Buffaloes have a lot of lineups and throw a bunch of guys out there. It seems like the Lions are more steady, more steady than some of the other teams. The, the, the Hawks have had a lot of injuries and they throw a bunch of players out there who – you know, you have to scramble and say, okay, who's this guy? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I saw him before, but I don't remember exactly who he is. And the Eagles, I guess they're more steady, you know, like the Lions, but they just have not been able to put together the offensive. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, we talked about the fact that sometimes it was a left-hander, but it's happening against right-hander, right-handed pitchers now that they have a good game and then the next day they can't, they can't do anything. So it's, they're just weird. There's a lot of randomness. You said confusing is what you said. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my word was just randomness that's happening out there. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I mean, just it, like a, a batter who could see this very same fastball at the very same velocity in the very same location and have uh, 10 outcomes on 10, you know, 10 opportunities uh, that are different. And uh, that's what's happening. You know, you say, well, I've seen him win and do well against these in these circumstances before but of course the circumstances aren't all exactly the same but close enough for comparison's sake and, and they're just not getting it done on this day where you know they have a game in the rain where they hit Loki Sasaki around like he's a chump so <laughs> just randomness for me randomness yeah I, I think the to be honest the thing that is probably I don't know if it's noticeable and I'm curious I'm curious what the data looks like, but watching the pitches, I, I I don't know if it's the it might be the heat and pitching in the heat that it's harder for pitchers to you know the the pitching game today is so much shaped by the the way batters approach pitchers now mm-hmm. uh, much much differently than they did ten years ago, which was make them run up their pitch count. It's it's a you know it's really a dedicated part of the game for a lot of hitters, and in this heat, which has been remar- which has been remarkable, I think it's just really difficult for pitchers to maintain the uh, the grip on the ball and the the kind of spin that they need to for them to be effective the way they're trying to approach these at bats because I've seen so many pitchers just get just grooving you know guys guys who are throwing just the best pitch and then a minute you know the next inning or the previous inning they're good now but the previous inning they were they were throwing everything was straight the breaking balls were up you know the, the pitches that were up were down you know were supposed to be up were down uh and i saw one the the one that uh, Domingo Santana hit Santana hit for a grand slam off Matt Shoemaker. Basically, it looked like he wanted to throw a high fastball, 
you know, uh-huh. and really and try to punch them out. And it just it just floated down in the zone. <laughs> and the pitches that the Giants batters hit, they said they were both uh, you know, running fastballs, but they were they were straight. And these guys got such good swings on them. You know, you know when you see, you know, when they show the profile, the the profile view of the at bat, and you see the angle that the bat comes off the ball. So often, the ball takes a, you know, it, it takes a, a quite a different trajectory than the the path the bat is going. It takes a higher trajectory. You know, you get a more launch angle than the bat is traveling at, mm-hmm. and that's the plan. But these two swings that Yoshihiro Maru and Kazumo Okamoto had, and I think, and I think this goes for uh, Domingo Santana as well, is that they were perfectly in line with the pitch. I mean, <laughs> they were, you know, they just stroked those things like it was like hitting the right chord on a piano. It was just perfectly. <laughs> yeah, getting them barreled up there. Yeah, <laughs> they were. They were beautiful. They were absolutely beautiful, and all I can think of is those pitches weren't um, weren't moving <laughs> the way the pitchers expected them to. Yeah, and, yep. and and we're seeing this happen with guys who are th- throwing exceptionally good pitches, and then the next ones is got to target, hit me here and win a prize, kind of thing. <laughs> and I, I've yeah. seen I've seen that a lot to last. You know, in the beginning of the season, we had very little offense. And I, I don't know if we're, I'm sure we're having more offense because there's typically more offense when the weather gets hot. But I, I think it is is quite a quite a swing. And I, I, it seems like pitchers are a little lost right now, or or their 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 uh, stuff is a little lost. Their yeah, some some on occasion. It only takes a few pitches in a in a game to be off it doesn't have to be a no, lot so yeah. No. yeah that was that was certainly the case with Masahiro Tanaka on Saturday well he, which, he had more than a few but yeah well, well but he pitched I mean he was he was a real bulldog but it was like the game got away from him on a on just a couple of of really really poor pitches I mean his command is actually his biggest problem was not the quality of his it was a, a quality of a couple of pitches but his command was poor and he got behind in counts that he really couldn't afford to be behind in. And then, you know, stuff happened. So the uh, same thing with, with Tsuyoshi Wada today. He was absolutely, it was so funny because the announcers were going, oh, he's thrown 66 pitches through five innings. You know, I'd really like to see him throw a complete game and then whammo, bammo, and he's gone. Complete, completely fell apart, yeah. <laughs> complete hey. this. Yeah, well, and it was he couldn't throw strikes, which is for him kind of rare. And the pitches that a couple, like the first one that was hit for a double was a the location was really good, but it it, it was a slider that was kind of flat. And Nishioka put a put a really good swing on it. The, uh, this is the other compliment: if you can you know put good swings on bad pitches, you're going to go far, or the ball's going to go far. Well, yeah, the the Hawks right now for me they're kind of an enigma. I'm not sure. Again, they have a lot of lineups, a lot of guys shuffling in and out of the uh, off the roster, back to the farm, back from the farm to the big team roster, and all that stuff. And there's just a lot of fluctuation going on there. But we've got to move on. We've got to mm-hmm. get to our top performers of July. So we'll make a seamless transition and. 
try to pick out <laughs> the four guys who will be chosen uh, for top batters and top pitchers. So let's start in the Pacific League this time. Let's flip it because we started with the uh, Central League when we talked about the league races. And I, I think the batter is, is pretty much easy, but who do you have? Really? Wow, I'm intrigued. Now, I see it as really being a one-two. Um, I think the, the two best choices are, I think the best choice is Masataka Yoshida. Mm-hmm. But, and, and his edge over his teammate, Yutaro Sugimoto. But I wouldn't be surprised if the selectors go with Sugimoto because he had one more home run and one more RBI and while ignoring the, when saying, well, you know, he, he hit 30, you know, 28 points lower while ignoring the fact that he had a, that uh, Yoshida had a 50 point higher on base percentage and a better slugging average. So uh, I think they could give it to either of them. Those, those are my two guys, but since you, you said it was obvious, I want to hear what's obvious because I didn't see it. Oh no, I thought Yoshida was the guy just because oh. of all the RBIs. I, I Again, it's oh. hard to figure out exactly what they're looking for. And we sure. talk about it a lot, but he has the batting average, 322, and he had 20 RBIs. Now, he only had four home runs, but uh, if they're paying attention, you know, he, he he's, his OPS was pretty much the highest of, of the guys mm-hmm. in question at 982. So I, I thought it was him. But I liked Hotaka Yamakawa. He's always going to be talked about and thought about, uh, but he just wasn't, in terms of the average, he wasn't up there. But he had you know, 15 RBIs. He had six home runs. Uh, he's just not hitting for average this year. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was Yoshida all the way. Okay. I mean, I, he was my first choice, but I thought, you know, I, I usually start with OPS, and then I sort of fish around to see who's leading the league and what. When I'm well, I'll of- give Hir- Hiroaki Shimauchi of the Eagles uh, honorable mention because he hit three fifty. And he had 16 runs batted in, and uh, he had three homers. but And his OPS is, is 961, so it's just 20 points lower. But I don't think he's going to get it. <laughs> does, I have a question. Does does he, like, receive anything in the mail for an honorable mention? <laughs> he, gets a picture of, he gets a picture of Jim and John. <laughs> honorable mention. Damn. July 2022. I like it. I like it. <laughs> what about pitchers? <laughs> now, it was not a big month for starting pitchers in the PL. We didn't have anybody who was... I, I think... I want to say we didn't have anybody who was lights out. We didn't have anybody who even knew where the light switch was. Whoa! <laughs> Hashtag high yeah, But fumbling around there, we had an ER, the, the league ERA leader, 1.73, was Masahiro Tanaka, who went 2-0. and Hmm. Okay, but we know what happens if you got, you know, if you're the best result you got is two and oh, and you got an ERA under zero, they're going to say, well, you know, win a game, dude. What did it get for you, chump? Exactly. Well, probably bozo or rather than chump, <laughs> perhaps, but, you know, I don't know. I don't not don't play that game. So uh, Daiki Tajima was three and oh which was the best winning percentage. And he had a 3.16 ERA, which is kind of in the ballpark. So I'm guessing he's going to win it. But I would also like to throw out his teammate, Yoshihisa Hirano, who is, I believe, now out with COVID. Uh, He 
saved six games, and he had two holds with a 0 ERA. Mm, so, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's, and Yeah, maybe. Maybe. If, if Tajima's ERA was like 3.75, as I thought it was in my memory, then mm. I would give it to Hirano. But uh, 3.16, they'll probably hold their noses and say, let's give it to him. Or maybe they won't give anybody one for the first time ever. Mm, yeah, <laughs> no, I wouldn't hold my not. breath on that. Yeah, yeah, I think somebody's going to get named. And um, you know, Kaito Yoza of the Sabre Lions, he was at three and one, two point one zero ERA, and he threw twenty five in a third inning. So, innings wise, he was up there among the innings leaders for the month. So he should be considered along with Hiromi Ito of the Fighters, although uh, Ito's ERA was two point seven nine. His innings pitch was a little bit more at 29, but I don't think he's going to get, I don't think either one of those guys gets that. I think if anybody, if Tanaka doesn't get it and uh, Tajima doesn't get it, you're you're right. Maybe they just might fold up and either give it to Hirano or not give it to anybody, but I, I'm sure somebody will, somebody will emerge in their I'm heads. I'm sure that, well, okay, well I, I, all I could say is given their selections in the past, there's probably nobody bad enough <laughs> that they wouldn't give it to. There you go. Nobody they, they bad would, enough. They would, they would search the deepest barrel to find a player. <laughs> Yikes. All right, let's go to the Central League. Get out of the barrels. Let's go to the Central League. What about the top player? Although um, I like Yuki Okabayashi. He hit 375, but if you don't hit for power and you don't, drive in a lot of runs you just kind of get on base you don't get much respect so 375 is kind of empty uh and that's too bad for him because he did have a good month yeah yeah and that's about all he can do he's not going to hit the ball over the fence you know he he had a heck of a game on sunday though he you know throw out a couple of runners at the plate in a very (laughs) close game so yeah Yeah, well yes it's there are there are things you can do but i'm sorry son but the award is called the batter of the month so well he got hits <laughs> don't, sit, don't act like he didn't get he any did. hits no i'm he not had, acting i'm not acting i can't act i'm not saying he didn't, <laughs> he, he didn't get any hits he had the I'm most right that. he had 27 hits uh sano had 27 hit. keita sano of the bay stars had 27 hits uh yohei oshima had 27 hits so he was up there with the leaders in hits well i will i will say that uh, we had a guy who had Tied for the lead. Well, he led the league with 16 runs, eight home runs. Tied Dion Vicieto with 17 RBIs. Now that that sentence seems weird, but go go. It is because I I can't even count the times the Dragons had 17 runs this this month this in July. It seemed like they only had 10 for the whole month. <laughs> 19 but, walks, 471 on base percentage. Although that was in infl- the 19 walks was inflated because I think he was walked intentionally seven times. Uh, <laughs> 471 on base percentage is 742 slugging average, and that's don't uh, forget the OPS. Well, that would be I have to add them together because I'm not. Oh, looking 12, 13, at, yeah. As it would be 12, 13, and uh, which was I think lower. It's lower than his season OPS. Sheesh. <laughs> Uh, so it was kind of a, a mediocre month for him, but uh, Munetaka Murakami, I think they're gonna they're gonna be hard pressed, I think, to give it to anybody else. 
he uh, overshadowed everybody, but he's got yeah. gaudy. I mean, when you hit the ball over the fence, it's it's just much different. Like I said before, it's it's, it's easier to see. You know, oh, that guy hit a home run, so those are those are instant runs and blah blah blah. But yeah, I mean, I, I like what Okabayashi did. I I was expecting him to come on at some point and learn understand the strike zone better, which he has been doing the past I would say six to seven weeks, mm. and he looks like a a, a a guy who could stick around. And we talked about Oshima, not the fact that the, what is this guy like forty eight now. Uh, and he's still yeah, looking he's like he's, count, he's Oshima's counting the days till he can get into the movies for a thousand yen. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, when you when you pass fifty, I think it's fifty, right? You get a discount at the movie theater here in yep. Japan. So, which Jim and I both know very well. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's just a different kind of hitter. So he's not he's not going to get. It. I, I give him. The, I will send him the picture of Jim and John, and uh, okay, and, honorable and, mention. But I think and, that's all he's going to get. And honored he should be. Yeah. What about pitchers? Wow. This was another tough one. <laughs> but I, I I think what we need to do is get a hat and we put Yukinishi's name in there and Masashito's name in there and Koyo Aoyagi's name in there. And maybe to mix it up, put Masato Morishita in there, but maybe two 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 names for the other guys. We can yeah, even put Joe Gunkel, who Joe Gunkel was two and zero with a zero 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 ERA. Yeah, the first uh, four guys you mentioned were all three and zero, and then Gunkel comes in at two and zero, but his right. ERA was sparkling, untouched. Right. And I, I can't really remember. Uh, Nishi had the best ERA, but he allowed more runs per nine. Ito was the strikeout guy, uh, but Morishita was struck out more guys. It's like I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious. You know, one of the best things, about one of the, the sort of perverted fun things in my book is to see the reasoning for the guys who won when they apply equally to equally or are more applicable to people they didn't pick. Yeah, well, uh, that went on earlier this year where we had. Aaron Wilkerson had pitched really well, and I thought he was going to get it, and they gave it to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, who knows what they're thinking. I, I agree with you. Throw the names in a hat. I would go with Aoyagi just because I like the kanji for his first name. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> But I think Nishi can probably claim it because he has the best ERA mm-hmm. of all those guys. So who knows? Yeah, I don't think they understand about that not allowing earned runs is unearned runs is also important. So maybe I think that's kind of beyond their, their limited bandwidth. <laughs> well, it'd be oh, fun I'm to sorry. watch. I wasn't supposed to cast this. I wasn't supposed to be mean and nasty today. I'm getting, I'm getting all energetic now. Yeah. You don't like to cast dispersion. You just like to throw them. <laughs> Pretty much. They stick, baby. Let them out. All right, making a two-seam transition, it's time for Rockin' with Roki, the Rayra rock star. Uh, finally back on the mound. Uh, he pitched at Rakuten on Wednesday night at Seimei. Uh, what do they call it? Seimei Miyagi. Seimei Rock Park 10, Miyagi. Seimei Park Miyagi. Whatever it is. Okay, yes, it's, and Miyagi, he- it's Miyagi Stadium, but they... You know your name here, whatever Rock Ten. Your name here. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, well, so it was his first outing since July first because of that blister, and 
you know, you saw we saw him look pretty human. Now, look, it was raining this night. They had a rain delay. And uh, at least for those who watched, I, I really wasn't able to see all of it because they had those delays. And by the time I got back, you know, uh, he was off the mound. So I didn't really see the bad inning that he had. Mm-hmm. But uh, the final line, five earned runs, eight hits. He didn't walk anybody. He only struck out five. And the announcers talked about it being his first experience with a uh, on the top team as a pro with a rain delay and managing the break and the preparation to go back out to the mound. And I think the longest delay was about 33 minutes and he got back out and he pitched well. Uh, it was in the third inning and he pitched well in the fourth inning, but it was the fifth inning that he couldn't get out of and gave up a bunch of runs. So I, I, you know, again, there was a lot of schmutz going on on the field. It wasn't clean. It was, it was wet. It had to be nasty kind of humidity kind of difficult uh, conditions that he probably, again, wasn't used to as a pro and that delay and all that stuff. So all the excuses aside, you know, he didn't look all that great from what I saw. What did you see? Well, the rain delay wasn't actually all that long. In fact, it it took them, it's like they ordered the rain delay and then they got the tarp on and then pretty much they said, okay, roll that pup, you know, roll those puppies back up. We're not going to use them. Uh, you know, they spent more time rolling it, you know, putting the tar- the various little tarps they put, they, they, they put them at, at Rockton, whatever field it is, they put them on like band-aids. <laughs> Here, here and across the infield so, right. so that took a while and then they took him off and then he was he was pretty sharp i think he uh he was pitching to hit it to Asamura and got a double play when he came back and that was that and then he came back and i think he had a one two three uh fourth and the fifth but but here's the thing his from the jump this game was different uh what we've seen inconsistent command of the fastball combined with pretty good command of his slider and mm-hmm. so-so command of the, of the fork ball. Well, this one, the command of the fastball was really good. I mean, he was throwing that puppy where he wanted to, but some of them were, I would say something that I've seen is his spin. And they say this, of course, on the broadcast all the time, they talk about the shoot the kaiten, which is the spin axis, a spin mm-hmm. axis that, with a four-seam fastball, ideally should be close to perpendicular to the ground mm-hmm. so that it rises and misses bats. But it was uh, the shoot kaiten is, uh, gives it arms. It's, it's a side spin and it gives it arm side run. Mm-hmm. And in other words, it's flat. <laughs> it's, it may be running, but very often it's going to run onto the barrel if it's not located really well. And that's most of his fastballs are doing that now. So once they time it, once they get used to the speed he's throwing at, and I don't know if they've told him to knock out that I'm going to throw 164 kilometers per hour stuff, but I, mm-hmm. I'll bet you they have because we haven't seen him. The beginning of the season, it was pretty much every game. He had a few games where he was throwing 164, and he's pretty much now throwing 161 to 162 as his maximum, and his, his average has probably dropped from about 159, which is uh, bordering on 100 miles an hour, to something closer to 96. Uh-huh. So the fastball 
has not been crisp like it was at the beginning. It's, it has not been crisp for a long time. He got he gets a now and then he gets some really good ones, and they keep talking about oh with that speed it's hard to hit, but it's not the speed. It's it's you know it's the it's it's uh, as Maria Moldau are saying it's not the meat it's the motion. Okay. And so it's really you know the movement is the thing. And it's not there. Okay, so that was one thing. But because he was locating, he could get by. He could th throw it low in the zone. He could throw it on the corners. He was hitting his spots pretty much both sides of the plate. Really important. But his splitter was absolutely, he had no command of it, which has kind of been a thing. And mm -hmm. his slider, which has become, I mean, he was always throwing, he was throwing the slider a lot to begin with. But now it had become, a slider to right-handed batters, a diving slider to right-handed batters, the splitter to left-handed hitters, so, you know, they're running away from them. But the, sli the, the, the fork ball was so bad on, on Wednesday that he pretty much gave up on it. Could, uh, he was going with a slider, and he didn't command that very well. But because he's Roki Sasaki and he's not going to walk anybody, he ended up throwing a lot of pitches, sort of aiming them in the strike zone, and, and they were getting... They were getting rammed back at him. Yeah. Yeah, well, second loss this season. Uh, he doesn't have, obviously, many of them, so it doesn't happen that often, but it, he didn't look good in that particular inning. And like I said, he was getting through the game, and um, dealing, you could see that, or at least sometimes I could see that he, he wasn't hitting spots he wanted to all the time with the pitches that he wanted mm -hmm. to, but he was making his way through the game. So he, he can pitch when things are not going well. Mm -hmm. which we saw here, and that's good. But when he is, again, in the rain throwing fastballs, even in the rain they were able to hit his fastball, and that's what I was concerned with. And that was his first time, again, on the mound in a long time. So we'll we'll see a better outing his next time out. All right, so let's go to fielding questions. So the first one comes from Steve, and he's based in Colbay, and this came via email. And he said, Japan has over the years contributed 73 players to the major leagues. I'm surprised this is so low, given that the sport is the national pastime. It is less than the contribution of Rhode Island, population 1 million, or about the same as Panama, population 4.3 million. The Dominican has contributed 850 players, population 10 million, or 1 12th that of Japan. What is going on here, do you think, Steve? Well, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, obviously there's some physical differences between Japanese or Asian men or Asian people and uh, other countries and those things where I'm going to set aside. And then you got, you got a talent thing that some of the guys or some of the players, once they uh, peak here in Japan, they're just not going to be uh, on average as good in general, I mean, this is a general thing, because of, and I look at the whole development process as a grassroots thing, I, and, and so to do that, you've got to look at the roots, and because I played sports in Japan, and I played basketball, and, and this was on the club level, so it wasn't professional or anything, but I'd get on the court, and immediately the referees would call foul, 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 and I'd ask them, okay, what was the problem here, what was the situation here, and what was the situation there? That's one part of it. In the developmental stage, uh, the strike zone was probably is probably different than it was or is in other countries because it had been in Japan. It, I'm, I'm not sure 
how different, but uh, it has to be different because they're looking the the eye level of the umpires is different a lot of times because the guys are not as big in general. So that to me is one part of the the notion that the grassroots part is different. But anyway, uh, here here's what happens in, in other countries. I think if you look at it this way, uh, you imagine. Some kids want to play a sport, whether it's basketball or baseball or football or anything. In the States, you can just find uh, a park, an open field, someplace that has, there are actually baseball places, uh, areas where you can play baseball, and you can have pickup games. But the notion of a pickup game in sports in Japan is really not cultural commonplace. And for t- particularly for baseball, it's just not here. You can't just go to a park. For instance, in, in the States, you can go to a place, you can play basketball. If you go to a particular park, you can play softball or baseball, or you can get some guys together at least and and go down and play. And that just doesn't happen, that spontaneous, let's go play baseball today or let's play on Saturday here in Japan. It has to all be planned out. You have to, most of the time, rent facilities. So that costs money. Uh, where you, some of these countries you have that it doesn't cost any money and, and people are playing in the streets and they're fashioning their own equipment, you know, bats and balls out of whatever they can fashion it out of and they're playing. And yeah, they're not, they're not top line equipment and it's not a, an actual field sometimes, but the kids are playing and that helps with the development part. And then when they do get into organized situations they they can they can strive they can be they can be better they can thrive because they now everything is in their favor whereas before it was not in their favor and i think that's an important thing about having spontaneous games and gatherings of of baseball You, you just can't do it here in japan it's very difficult so when everything has to be organized, that has to be your focus. And we talked about, I guess, on the show a long time ago, the fact that if you start playing a sport in Japan, you really have to focus on that sport. It's, you don't have, uh, you don't see a lot of athletes who are playing more than one sport here in Japan. You've got to pick one and, and go with it and really concentrate because it takes so much time and it takes so much money and it takes so much effort. And so when you start thinking about all those disadvantages and the average size and you put together the fact that it's not uh, a grassroots kind of thing, that it's not easy to do, then I think that either you lose some talent in that respect, players or athletes or people who have an interest in baseball maybe don't develop the way they might have if they were in a different situation. And that chases them out of the sport and they either play a different sport that's easier to play or cheaper to play or more fun to play. Uh, in terms of, you know, when you're a kid, is, is baseball all that fun to play if you're not if you're not really good at it or if it's going to take some time to develop? And I think that's part of it. And, you know, that's what I've been able to see here because I, I tried to play pickup basketball here. And, and even if you go to a place where the people, there are people who normally gather and play, you know, if the weather's bad, nobody shows up or uh, there are just some days where people are just busy and they and you don't have a lot of high competition. So you never know what you're going to get. But there's no spontaneous activities that involve baseball. It's so organized here to the point where it's too organized. And I think that holds kids back because it's then it's only practice and they're not really having fun. Um, do you have any opinions about it, Jim? Wow. Well, you really, it's not just 
baseball, but one of the things that, that struck me when I first came to Japan, because I was, I was about as unstructured and I'm about as unstructured and disorganized a person as, as an adult is allowed to be in modern society. Don't I know and it? John <laughs> does know it well because it's a constant source of amusement and <laughs> annoyance to him for the past 20 years. Love you and, anyway. Uh, anyway, I appreciate that. Anyway, the one of the big things that struck me when I first came to Japan was, you know, let's, you know, let's do something after class. How's, you know, how's tonight? How's tomorrow? And learning from my students, because I, I came here as an English teacher, that pretty much if you're in elementary school, you have a calendar. Your time is scheduled like you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. <laughs> and so the days, you know, like John said, pick up games. Well, that wasn't really my thing. But my thing was finishing school and either getting my friends at school or calling them the minute I got home and saying, what do you want to do today? Who wants to do this? Who wants to do that? And in Japan... Things if you're not if you're not on somebody's schedule book, it just doesn't happen. It's just Japanese society doesn't really uh, run that way. Uh, but yes, the other thing, so the other thing I would concur about is you know the year-round thing. Uh, year-round sports are a thing. Commitment is a thing. Ella, you know, in America, I don't know how. And again, I can't speak for how America has has become since since I was a boy, which was. Um, before Theodore Roosevelt was president, but <laughs> but when I was growing up, you could just use the local elementary school field right after school if nobody was using it. You could use the you know the asphalt basketball courts at the elementary school or at the high school that people played you know through hoops in the morning and in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. You know, not the not the the indoor indoor you know nice stuff but the outdoor stuff you could run and play you could use the tennis courts that was that was the thing they're open in japan schools are not open to the public and i don't know if and uh i know the universities aren't open to the public because of the social disrest uh, unrest of the 1960s and student uprisings and whatnot but i don't know why it is that way with elementary schools and, and junior high schools and high schools as well but they're pretty much closed they're little uh you have little iron curtains going on there so that's right. the thing and the, the last thing i would say is is to look at the other side of the coin which is a it is a development issue and of course japanese pitchers are i've, I've spoken about this probably till people are ready to pass out if i say it again but they they throw some the best Japanese pitchers in elementary school often have their arms give out by the time they're uh, entering high school because the tendons have ripped the um, ripped up the bones where they attach to the mm -hmm. as they're growing they don't they don't get enough rest to to uh, to recover every year because they're throwing year round and then they'll during the baseball season the best pitchers in order to keep their teams in tournaments will uh, pitch four, five, six games in a weekend. 
so that's a problem. And I think actually, I think COVID's going to do great. I think um, is going to have a huge impact on the number of Japanese pitchers in about 10 years from now can throw 100 miles an hour because their arms got a full, more or less got a full year to rest. Right. <laughs> uh, a whole generation of pitchers got a full year of rest almost. And I think that's going to be, uh, it's, you'll see a spike in that. Okay, and the, that's, that's the development side that John addressed. And I, think, I thought what you said was absolutely 100% right. The, so we should also mark a calendar with that. That's the red, red circle estate. Um, the other side, the flip side of it is where do you go? So if you're looking at, I mean, of course, in Rhode Island, I don't know uh, what's there to do in Rhode Island after you've finished playing amateur baseball. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know. But in Panama and the Dominican Republic, the pro levels are fairly underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Japan, you can make a very good living playing baseball as a corporate league player or as a professional player in Japan's league. There's very, if you're a really good player, there's very, very little incentive to look beyond Japan. And then once you get into the system, once you get into the uh, Japanese professional system, you're locked here for nine years unless, uh, unless you can negotiate your release through the posting system or you get released because you're no good. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the, the big thing. Um, Leon Lee, when he was a scout, the um, Pacific Rim scout for the Chicago Cubs told me, he said, look, Japanese baseball treats their minor league players so, va- so much vastly better than minor league players uh, am- low-level pros in America are treated, that it's there's very little incentive for Japanese guys to go abroad. And then when they go abroad, they say, well, if I'm good enough to play in the U.S. minors, I'll go back to Japan and play because I don't need this nonsense. Yeah. They're not hungry. He said they're just not hungry enough to, to do it in, in America when they know that uh, financially – regardless that Rob Manfred said that minor leaguers are well taken care of, uh, they're vastly better taken care of and almost treated, almost treated. I would say they're actually treated like human beings in Japan, as opposed to chattel slave slavery, which is more or less how um, major teams treat their minor leaguers. So I think that's probably the biggest reason, but it's a great question because it, uh, although at first I thought, well, it's a very obvious, but it's, um, it's not obvious. I mean, it's a very deep and um, a deep and important question to ask. Yeah, I think it's complicated. It's murky. Uh, I think if you ask ten guys in baseball, they, they, you you might hear twenty opinions from them uh, because they'll change their minds uh, ten minutes after they say one thing. They might say something else or send you another email and with another yeah, opinion. I hope, but I hope it's, Steve's Steve's uh, kids who play baseball will. Uh, you know, find a place in Japanese baseball somewhere. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, I, I, the last thing I wanted to say about it was that, um, I, I think you, you can immediately point to the culture and, and say, let's change that and let's make it easier for people to, to play the sport. And I think if you start there at, uh, on a low level, that'll change things. And then you got guys like Shohei Otani who are 
changing the game over there and you have a hero and people to aspire to be. And that's another aspect of people who, like Jim was mentioning, people who want to go. I mean, there's not, hasn't been as much incentive for guys over here. Uh, and there's been an inferiority complex with Japanese players or Japanese people, or the, the, the whole country in terms of uh, physical ability and all those kinds of things that they have to get over. But we got to get to the next question or we won't finish. So this one comes from, as promised, our buddy Glenn in Tokyo has sent us an MP3. Hi, John and Jim. This is Glenn here in Tokyo. Uh, thanks, as always, for the entertaining podcast. Um, before John digs himself into a, a bigger hole on the accent front, this is a New Zealand one, so uh, nothing to do with Canada here. Hashtag hi. Uh, now that we're at kind of the halfway point in the season with the All-Star Games, I wondered how you would uh, rate the NPV managers overall in terms of their achievements with the squads at their disposal. Overachieving versus underachieving, if you like. Uh, for me, my biggest underachieving this year so far would be Hara and the Giants I mean with all that talent to lose 50 games already uh, matching the Dragons he's got to be on the hot seat um, overachieving for me would be Hatsuhiko Suji of the Lions and when you look at that roster it's not immediately obvious uh, how they're doing it um, so I'd say he seems to have uh, the right touch uh, I want to, to get your thoughts chaps thank you oh Glenn the nice shot at the beginning there well Managers. Well, I'm sure you can recall when we did the off-season show and we had Marty Keenert, we had Alonzo Powell, and we had Zach Neal, and they joined Jim and me, and we talked about the breakdown of records of MPB managers by position. And I understand that, you know, some of it is a lot of circumstance. You can inherit a good team. You can inherit, inherit a poor team. You can inherit a team that uh, has the tools and some of the things but has but needs better motivation or better quote-unquote management uh and i say all that to emphasize that we we always judge a manager by wins and losses and that's that's probably not fair uh look at big boss tsuyoshi shinjo he was very random and wild like a kid given the the keys to a car or the power of a presidency something like that and uh, when he took over and the way he managed in april and early May was different from the way he started to manage in mid-May and June, which is different from the way he's managing now uh, here in August and, uh, you know, around the all-star break. And you could see when he was out, when he tested positive for COVID and uh, Masao Kido took over and was leading the team. It just played differently. It looked differently. It felt different. Uh, and when, when Big Boss came back, the guys seem to just respond to who he is now and what, you know, they've grown to, to understand him a little bit better. So anyway, all that said, um, who's doing the best and who's doing the worst. I, 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 you said, Glenn, you said Hada and all his talent. And I say, Oh, what talent? I, I don't think they have an abundance of talent. That's better than the rest of the league. That would cause me to believe that he's underachieving this season. So I, I'm going to put that aside you know, again, maybe Okamoto uh, his play his has a lot of talent, but he hasn't shown it this year. And Hayata Sakamoto has been injured a lot this season. And Gregory Polanco and Adam Walker, I don't know what we expected from them. Naoki Shikawa, I, I mean, who's all this talent? I, I think they have a, a good roster, but they don't have a lot of talent, especially when we look at, at Tomoyuki Sugano. Look at what's on the mound for them. They've been putting out a bunch of rookies. So... Uh, I'm not going to say that he's underachieving. 
as for Tsuji with the Lions, this team has a lot of talent, actually. My biggest concern in the preseason was the pitching, and they have proved that that's not really a, a problem for them. The starting pitching has been really good. The bullpen has been excellent. And, uh, again, we're talking about Kaito Yoza as a guy who could win, you know, top pitcher of the month, or at least he's he's on the he's on the list. But uh, Shuta Tonosaki has been a terrific player for a while. They're getting a lot of good production from Aito Takeda. Sosuke Genda is just incredible, and he missed mm. some time. And the guys they brought in did adequate work. Uh, Tomoyo Mori, <laughs> a past MVP, uh, he's great. We I even talked about Yamakawa, a two-time home run. Yeah, this team has a lot of talent, man. I don't know that. Suji's doing anything better except he's getting really good management on the pitching side. And I don't know that he's all that involved in it. I think he's, you remember he was talked about the fact that he, we talked about the fact that he had quit or there was an announcement that he had quit after last or late last season. And then he decided to come back. And I think maybe part of that was that he's just delegating a lot of the responsibility so that he doesn't have to shoulder all that stress and he's having a good time and it's not just because the team is winning i think it's because they're operating differently than they have been in the past uh three four years since he's been there and as for the dragons i guess most disappointed so i don't know who's overachieving i i you know i would say there's achievement and then we have to measure what the overachievement part is but i think people are achieving i'm not sure that they're overachieving but i know i'm disappointed that kazuyoshi tatsunami of the dragons hasn't had a positive effect on Chinichi, and I don't see them doing a lot on both sides of the ball sometimes. they, they I know that they can pitch and that they're going to pitch fairly well, particularly at home, but then there are games that they just kind of blow up early and it's over because they don't have any offense. And one of the things that's perplexing for me is that Tatsunami was such a great thinker of the game and such a difficult uh, player to defeat mentally. He was strong mentally, would fight through issues and whatever weather problems, heat, uh, you know, whatever tough pitches you were throwing him or whatever approaches you were coming at him with. But his his players don't reflect that. His players sometimes look like they have no plan or the plan they have is so obvious that the opponents can easily adjust to them and, and they just have some really poor at-bats and they don't score runs and that's what's disappointing. It wouldn't be so disappointing if they had the same record, but they were unable to win games for whatever reason. But they're they're losing games because they can't score and they don't look good offensively. So I would say that he's the biggest underachiever. But as for overachievers, I don't know. Jim? I'll have to... I guess if, if uh, Tsuyoshi Shinjo was not in last place, then he might be an overachiever. Uh, I... Didn't really expect much from him. I don't know anybody who expected much from him, um, except his PR. You know the 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 cheering. You know the cheering section in the fighters' front office. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, they've they've played differently. The the fighters have a more orderly approach to their games right now, and I think the big reason for that is um, Shinjo is no longer running the pitching changes. Hmm which happened, I think, at the end of May. So that was a big thing. Um, he moves... I It doesn't bother me one bit that he moves players up and down the lineup and he gives lots of guys chances. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but everybody's, 
um, everybody's getting a chance to play and show what they can do and, you know, more power to them. I, I, <laughs> I, I love Shinjo because one, about once every week or two weeks, I see something I've never seen before from a manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On Saturday, it was Yutaro Sugimoto getting being um, vocally Hunt. annoyed yeah. by being hit by a pitch and it, stepping I believe into the in field. consecutive at bats, I believe. Yeah, yeah, stepping onto the field to have a few words with a pitcher and then wandering off, but not before both teams decided to join the Greek chorus there. Anyway, uh-huh. while the while the you know the I don't know what you'd call it. Um, Tempest in a teacup was sort of brewing up between the mound and home plate. Sugimoto just sort of wandered off to first base. And Tsuyoshi Shinjo ran after him to apologize. And I, that was something I'd never seen. Not like I didn't. I just, and Sugimoto just like couldn't, almost started cracking up laughing. So yeah, I, I, did I, love, I did love to see that. So I can't really put, you know, Tsuyoshi Shinjo is kind of in a, in a class of his own. I saw a play the other day in which hey, his player... Hey, 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 the name is Boss. Big Boss. No, <laughs> that's his name. My name for him is Tsuyoshi Shinjo. So, they call him Mr. Uh, Tibbs. <laughs> um, only in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, my, one of my favorite movies. Another great loss. So... The thing is that uh, he, you know, he also has got this thing where sometimes you just wonder, as we did when he was a player, what planet he's on, because one of his guys made a play, a very routine play, and he, you know, he gave it his best shot, uh, but it failed, and Shinjo was on the bench looking like, what's wrong with this guy? I would have been able to do it, and I just, I just wonder. Maybe he's living in wishful thinking land sometime. I don't know. But that was his his visual response was um, the second best I saw this week compared to <laughs> Tatsunori Hara's already accepting handshakes for his 1200th win when the ball slipped out of his center fielder's <laughs> club and wondering what he said behind his mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Japanese version of W. T-W-F. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where's that fly? Okay. So, uh, yeah, most disappointing. Have to be Tatsunami. And I, I do want to say something uh, briefly about this. Tatsunami came in with the idea that he was going to channel his mentor, Senichi Hoshino. And Senichi Hoshino had, you know, was a tough guy and we're going to fight and we're never going to give up like every manager says. But he was a he was also a very loving um passionate guy who deeply cared about his players as individuals and you know, sometimes the tough love came out and it his disappointed sh- his disappointment showed. But with Tatsunami now, while he was, as you said, very mentally tough and very in tune to the game, it seemed like his approach was guys get mentally tough and you'll do better. You know, shave off that excess facial hair, wear your socks <laughs> long or whatever. We're going to run a tight ship here and you'll feel more like ball players. Now, if you read a lot of self help books, you know, How to Be Happy or something, they'll say, smile. Well, 
you, know, you might learn how to smile, but the problem is that these habits are very, uh, habits are hard to learn. So the habits that he developed over a lifetime of playing ball and the habits that um, Hoshino was so good at, and I don't think Hoshino really cared about players' habits so much. You know, I remember he hated Samson Lee's hair, but he didn't do nothing about it. Mm. Um, <laughs> but he he had, you know, he was sort of like, these are the things you can change. Let's work on those. Let's work on building up your good habits as opposed to let's all be, let's all be mentally tougher. That's our assignment for the year to be mentally tougher. And people's habits are hard to change. Players don't become different kind of players. Um, you can't really, you can't really, ex you know, expect them that by wearing different clothes or wearing their, their socks a certain way, they're going to change. But uh, it seems to me that the superficial change was kind of, I don't know if it was the cover for what he really wanted to do or if it was actually part of a plan, but I'm, I'm kind of suspecting it was kind of a plan, was we're going to make this team play more like ball players, And they kind of played like themselves. And without, without sort of an organizing principle, other than we should be mentally tougher than we actually are capable of being. So I, I think he, he, yeah, he took kind of a, I think that that whole superficial approach kind of blew up and didn't just, I don't know, blew up. I don't think anybody dislikes him for it, but he's had, you know, he's had his little tantrums. He's, he's a really, I personally, I really like him. He's a, he's a really friendly guy who explains things well and he speaks well. And I, I feel he's a very warm person, but he's, you know, he came up and he's, gonna be i'm kind of gonna be a you know a hard guy and he was a hard guy but this is hasn't worked okay yeah and i keep thinking okay well he's a rookie manager i he's learning to just like shinjo is learning and he's different than he was at the beginning and the team is evolving and all those things i'm just shocked at the lack of uh preparation or the mental approach uh, among his hitters, they just haven't shown any any progress consistently over the maybe Okabayashi over the course of the season to understand uh, what the pitching approach is, what strikes look like, uh, and just the things that that made Tatsunami a great player. And I know that uh, teams reflect their coaches is what they what they say, and I think it's just taking a long time for that to happen. And maybe this off season. And then going into next season, it'll be better. But anyway, we do have another question on deck. Uh, Eugene, we will get to that next week. Apologies, but we've got to get out of here. Uh, John has to. <laughs> John has a lot of things to do on Monday uh, besides up, up below the, the podcast. So uh, anyway, anyone else who has a question, hit us up, up on Twitter at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heat. Send questions via email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com. Hit us up on the Facebook page with comments, talking points, criticism, questions, anything you like. Look for us on Google Podcasts and iTunes. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. And see you at the ballparks, or else you will receive 
Aspersions. <laughs> on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBall Allen. Submit your questions with hashtag high heat and listen for an answer in an upcoming episode. <laughs>